Welcome to Park Fermi, the Canadian Formula One podcast. P3, P3. Okay, hey, we got it on the podium. Who would have thought? We talk race reviews, news from the paddock, and bring you everything from the world of Formula One. And something to limit the problem. Congratulations. Well, change your car. You've got a problem. Change your fucking car. And Jim, you change your car because Checo has been saying the car is fucked. And now your hosts, Drew, Walker, Ed, and Tomas. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Park Firm AV. Canadian Formula One podcast back here with the boys as per usual got Drew Thomas Edward my name is Walker we are here talking about the Qatar Grand Prix um we had a little bit of everything we got a new champion officially we got heat we got tires we got dust we got a little bit of everything this weekend what and what was a pretty entertaining and and competitive race um lots to cover lots to talk about who wants to kick us off get us started on a little recap Ed, how's that connection? You in? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm good this time. I'll try not, try not to make any like weird faces for this this time around. Um, the race in general, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, lots of uh, different things that have happened. Um, the track in itself was pretty much the enemy of every single driver on track. Um, a lot of them all had issues with track limits. Um, I suppose like they made some changes midway through the the race in terms of like the uh, the track limits, so that was a big issue. Um, the heat was another thing too, but we'll talk about that later. And they had a lot of wind issues, um, the track being dirty with a lot of dust. But all in all, a really fantastic race for me because it was very eventful. Like everyone needed to be on their A game in order to perform. Uh, sprint race alone was. We have a new winner of sorts um, and uh, Oscar Piastri. And we saw Max Verstappen not not be able to perform. And I'm, I'm sure Thomas was over the moon when he saw that. And uh, all in all, the race in itself was really, really fun to watch. Thomas, I pass it on to you because uh, I did just say that Verstappen didn't win the uh, sprint race. Yeah, so uh, this this Grand Prix, the the quality was a fucking perfect ten out of ten, and um, I, I loved it. There was so so much uh, so much events with the tires, with the with a change up on the grid position. Um, as that you said, the, everyone had to be on their end game with with the, with the pit stops. Lots of uh, lots of different uh, different strategies. Um, it was very very entertaining. Um, I wish every race was like this. I wish we would have. You know, at first I wasn't sure how I feel about the whole tire strategy, but I really like it because it maybe not the x amount of labs they can only do which was 17 or 18 i wish you know they could do more or less but they would have to at least stop three times i think having a three pit stop strategy would be very very entertaining um but yeah i loved it true well yeah like you guys had already mentioned you know there's a, a bunch of things that um that the drivers and teams had to play against um this week 
and you know the the track temperatures being a big portion of this having to pick up tire strategy dealing with the wind and um, some of the dust the sand and I think you know speaking of dust one of the dustiest parts about this race was the first corner watching and I hate to say this because I love him to death but like Uncle Louie was just pulling a fucking dumb one like that was that was the dustiest <laughs> thing on track was his actions in that first corner. And, um, you know, I, I watched uh, a couple of reviews and some statistics on that. And, and Lewis Hamilton out of the 300 plus races that he's done in his career has only exited on first lap accidents six times, which would equate to less than 2%. That being said, he's a pretty good first lap kind of driver. He understands spatial awareness and, um, and I don't know if it's just a total of frustration or the heat or what was getting to him. Pressure, who knows? But um, he made a bad move. And um, unfortunately, it cost Mercedes a little bit in the race. Actually, it took one car out when they're in a fight for, for second place with Ferrari and with, uh, with Carlos's car not starting. Um, Mercedes had a big, big opportunity to make up some points. And uh, unfortunately, um, with a dusty move like that, he... Um, he just put he put Mercedes in a bad spot that they didn't need to be um, unnecessarily going into that corner a little too aggressive. But, you know, it is what it is. It made for a super entertaining race watching Mr. Uh, George Russell go from, you know, plum last all the way back up um, in the course of 50 what odd laps was was wildly entertaining. And it really showed some serious pace on that Merc, which was really nice to see. Um, and, you know, watching both of the uh, the McLaren boys run a show was super super entertaining um but that's all i got for uh at least for this first half what do you got walker so i think you know drew you were talking about uh hamilton and george going to that first corner and i remember hearing one of the radio messages that they were doing the formation lap and lewis was felt a little angsty with his team and the engineer on the radio saying that he felt like he was just kind of left out there to hang to drive with those soft tires that he started on and I think maybe some of that angst carried over into the first corner, thinking that if he does not make a move on the first corner or first lap and really gain a position, that he's just going to be toast after five or six laps. And I think maybe that might have led to some of that decision-making or some of that impulse to like really make that turn. Uh, that's just my, my guess. But otherwise, I think it was a really interesting race. Um, you know, I want to talk about it a little bit more regarding the tire uh sprints or the stints um how many laps they could do on each tire you had the heat playing a ma major role which i don't think we were really attuned to during the actual race itself i know sergeant had some issues uh and couldn't finish the race but then you know hearing all the reports afterwards of everyone getting out and fainting and being dehydrated and stuff like that and the whole discussion about whether a race like that should be allowed to go considering kind of like the speeds that they're doing and and the equipment that they're working with um you know something else that we're going to talk about uh, and then we had and then we had max right we talked about this last week drew i think you were saying how cheesed you'd be if you know you won you clinched a championship and on the sprint race and and here we are um with that sprint race I mean, he didn't even win, but he still clinched it because Checo couldn't get his shit together, which is a whole other story, right? So lots going on here, lots of storylines, uh, lots to discuss. Um, I do want to go back to that sprint race quickly and talk about Piastri. And, you know, it's his first 
win, right? Is there an asterisk next to that win? If you're Piastri, do you count that as your first win? Or is that just kind of like a half win? He will count that as a win if he doesn't ever win. Like if he actually wins a real Grand Prix, he'll be like, no, no, this is my first win. But if he doesn't win anything else in his career, he'll be like, I still want to race. So it depends, I guess, is my answer. So you, so you, okay, so put yourself in that position. You're in there, you're a rookie season, you win what was, how many races, or how many laps was it? Like actually racing like 13 laps after the safety car, something like that, 12 laps. Are you walking away saying like, yes, I'm a Formula One race winner? Yes. Short answer. I think he will say that. I think in the course of his career, he won't look back and this won't be counted as a GP win. Um, I, you know, the, the way that they're going to have to start counting races and wins is going to be different since we have the sprints because the sprint race, meaning still a race, but like they're going to categorize like wins and then Grand Prix wins. Because like, if you have five or six of these sprint races throughout a year, you could technically quote unquote, like win like 30 races in a year if you win all of them plus the Grand Prix, right? Do you know what I mean? So like they're just going to have to categorize them a little bit differently. But I think in a short answer, like, yeah, a win's a win. Like you're, I think just the fact that you're driving an F1 car means you kind of won something, you know? Anyone else? Thomas, you got something to add to that? Would you count it as a win? Would you be up there celebrating, making sure you don't break a trophy? You know what? That's... Wow. Okay. Um... No and yes is my answer. I don't think it's a real win. Uh, it's not a GP win. As Drew would say, I wouldn't count it as a win. Um, yeah, he won the the sprint race, but in my eyes, it's it, it doesn't count. It's it's a sprint race. Um, it, it doesn't seem fair or it doesn't seem... I don't even know how to put it. It, it just doesn't seem right to count this sprint race win as an actual win okay Tom, so thomas takes it okay okay but if he takes as a as a win himself as what you were saying you know fine that's 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 up to him in my eyes i don't see it as a win that's, i'm gonna put this in a different way let me ask you this question differently if you were on tinder and you were doing online dating would you put formula one race winner in your online dating profile yeah, I think I would. There you go. Changes his answer. This is this is why I had to ask the question in a different way, right? Just saying. Good point. Good point. I mean, to quote the great uh, Dominic Toretto, it doesn't matter if you win an inch or a mile, winning's winning. Fair enough. So what's more satisfying to him, do you think? That second place podium after the race, after one of the hardest races of the year, or a 13-lap sprint win? Oh, second place. Second place. Yeah. Second place. Yeah. 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 Second place. All right. Fair enough. Topic concluded. Um, if we mentioned lots of highlights during the race, um, anything stand out for you? Drew, you just talked about the, the little mix up at the first corner. Anything else stick into your mind that you want to highlight this race this weekend? Yeah. From? You know what? Hand out to all those dudes in all those cars. You know, like we had Fernando Alonso like screaming at his pit wall, being like, "When I come in for a pick, can you guys throw a bucket of ice cold water on me? Like, is that doable?" That's how old he is, because like that used to happen in F one, like circa nineteen sixties and stuff like that. Um, that being said, you know, hats off to all those dudes, man. They all did something absolutely incredible. I was watching some of the post race interviews, and and um, 
you know, baby stroll was talking about like passing out in some of the corners, right. With the blood pressure going down and like, he's like, I don't like would, you know, come to on like the other half of a corner. Um, so like those guys were doing some pretty dangerous stuff. Esteban Alcon's puking in the car, like while he's driving a formula one car, like, I don't know about you guys, but like when I'm puking, bro, I'm outie. Like that's a wrap on my night. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going out partying and I start puking, bro, it's over. So I, I don't know how one could continue, you know, he was, what do you say, between 16 and 17 laps deep and the guy's puking in an F1 helmet. You know, like I could be in the comfort of my own home puking in my toilet and I'm like, this is it. We're outy for tonight. So, you know, big ups to all the guys. Um, I think that's a super dangerous thing that they're doing. And I know the FIA and uh, Formula One's going to look into not having any Qatar races in October. They're probably going to push that towards the end of the calendar again. Um, but that being said, you know, like, it was a great race. There was a lot of overtaking. Um, it was, it was a battle of who could, who could stick it out the best. You know, it was, um, it was a very impressive race by all the guys. So hats off to the teams. And what do you got, bud? For me, it was the, uh, the comeback of George Russell. Like he got taken out first corner, um, lights, lights out. And he ended fourth. Like, that guy just shows how much metal that guy has. Like he, what he tested himself. And on top of all of that, like, you know, everything that they, he had to go through the entire grid, how many pit stops he had to do, um, managing his tires and then the heat. So for me, this, like what he did just kind of like solidifies that Mercedes did a good job bringing him in and he will be the future of uh, the Mercedes team, the Silver Arrows. Thomas, um, I love the race. Uh, the whole the whole thing. Um, what what stood out to me again? Surprise, surprise! It's to all of us. Max won. What was it like? Twenty three seconds ahead. Um, the crash where Hamilton was acting a little bit like a baby. Uh, the class. The, there was no class. You know, I got taken out by my own teammate when when he's the one that caused the accident. Um, the highlights that really, really stood out to me that no one probably talks is uh, Alfa Romeo scored points in both cars, which is fucking awesome. Uh, Fernando Alonso again, he he did all right considering the the conditions, what 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 it was at the track, um, and then uh, Stroll in 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 quality or practice where where he shoved his trainer, um, you know, was caught on camera as well. That was. And, you know, me and, and Drew were talking about this briefly, and it's just so not cool to do that, you know. And when your dad owns the team, essentially, and you, you treat your trainer like that, like, you know, you're supposed to be more pro- professional than than this other guy. But anyways, love the race. Um, Walker? So let's talk about the temperament a little bit, because, you know, we talked about Lewis losing it a little bit in the car. We talked about Stroll having a moment. But, you know, we look at other sports. You look at, like, football, hockey, baseball. We got guys breaking bats, guys, like, berating, like, their offensive line, defensemen. You know, like, we have these other, you know, more, I guess, traditional sports where, you know, guys are competitive, they lose their cool, and, you know, they're giving it a pass, right? Do we – is it because of just the – because it's more European or because motorsport is just motorsport that we don't offer the same leniency to, to some of these guys who are probably, you know, just as 
high performing or place just as much pressure on themselves to perform and win as we would. Like we saw that in a dugout and someone smashing a bat, you know, for the most part, it's just like part of the game. Somebody gets frustrated, gets it out of their system and moves on. Right. So is this something that just doesn't belong in motorsport or are we a little harsh on guys for making like an off the cuff comment, you know, half a second after they're in an incident, right? Or a stroll gets out of the car and he's frustrated because he did a shit job again. And his trainer is just someone there who is happens to to be there to take the brunt. You know what? It. Thomas and I were talking about this beforehand and like I get it. And like some of these guys are allowed to be pissed. And like if a guy grabs a bat or grabs a hockey stick, breaks it over the the net or something like that, dude, I get it. You know what I mean? But like, I you don't see them skate to the bench or go into the dugout and then push their trainer or their coach. You know what I mean? Like who they take that anger out on, even if they go into the interviews afterwards and be like, oh, my teammate did this or whatever. They don't do that. Like they still don't ever talk shit about their own team, their coaches. They don't push or shove their coach. Like the respect level for their own team. And like that supersedes everything. And I think that's kind of where they're going with that. Like, you know, when you see Christian Horner talk shit about like Total Wolf or when you see Max Verstappen talk shit about Lewis Hamilton, dude, that's sports. I get that. That's fine. You can do all that stuff. But like, I was going to say, you don't see Christian Horner talking shit about Checo, but that definitely happens. You know? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, I just think that there's a level of class that needs to exist within their own team and their own ecosystem in order for, for these guys. And that's the thing too, dude, there's 20 of them. In the whole sport, it's not like you have a team of 26 and these guys are like interchangeable. You know what I mean? They're not Danny Ricardo. You know, they're not just interchangeable all willy nilly like that. But like, you know, there's, I just think there needs to be a respect level given to their own teammates in order to, um, to perpetuate like the classiness, like you mentioned of like motorsport. And it's just like, it's an expectation given. Is it because it's a European thing? I don't know. Maybe ish. You know, because it's Grand Prix, it's French as fuck. It's got, I don't know. So I, I have a follow up question to that then. Um, are these drivers in an unfair position because the public has essentially access to their live radios, right? That's like the equivalent of having every other athlete live mic'd throughout the gameplay, right? And now it's the FIA, it's F1, it's Liberty Media that gets to decide which messages get played out to the public, right? So how much shit will we hear if every single athlete on every team was mic'd up and we could tune into their commentary live during a game? Man, I don't know. Some of those hockey players, Anybody? dude, you got those mics that are dangling over top of the ice. Like, I don't know if you've been to a hockey game because I sure as hell have. And like, yeah. you can hear those guys. They're not hiding anything that they're and they saying. they talk shit. No. But they talk a lot of shit, of shit and it's fine. It just seems it's like part of the it's it's part of the game. It's For just sure. part of what it is. It's not all broadcast live on TV sure. and cherry picked by the broadcaster to decide what is broadcast and what isn't. I get where you're coming on this. And I understand that, like, you know, the FIA and Liberty Media have like a game to play because they have to like play nicey nice. They still have to make it entertaining because really what sports all about is entertainment value. Who's going to watch? Who's tuning in? They want to make it fun, entertaining and, you know, juicy enough but on the other side of it like the sport still needs to stay classy and like did did baby stroll have a little bit of a temper tantrum yeah 100 percent. did like logan Sargent puss out thousand percent guys a bitch ass just saying they all went through the same shit the guys a bitch ass 
I mean, my my take my wow. take on it is that um, don't you you can talk as much smack as you want, like, even with your your team, your uh, your strategist. It doesn't matter. Like that's it, it's part and parcel of um, being a competitor. And uh, if you get to the extent of being physical with your trainer, that's that's. I don't know. For me, that's that's a no no. The the guy's there to support you, but the other side of that too is that Max Verstappen. I think it was a few years back. Um, he had an altercation with uh, with uh, Esteban Ocon that he ran after Esteban Ocon in in the uh, in Park Fermi and then shoved him. Same thing with uh, with uh, Michael Schumacher when he had. Uh, instances and issues with david coulthard like he he literally looked for david coulthard in the uh, in the pits and then just like wanted to start a fight with him so i mean at, at the height of competition yes it's going to come out that emotions are going to be out but to the extent of like shoving or pushing or throwing fists i don't think so like you're 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 held to a higher regard because you're the face of the company, you're the face of the team. If you're gonna get to that extent that you're even hitting on your own team, nah, that's a big no-no for me. Other other drivers, other teams, fine. It, it, it's the passion, but your own team, your own trainer, the one that's keeping you, you know, fit, keeping you um, up to date, and making sure that you're good. Yeah, stroll. That's that's a no-no. I mean, at this point, I think that that's the final nail in the coffin. That guy should be, you know, taken out of the grid, like just like Latifi. Take them out; they're they're gone. We don't need them anymore. Sorry, I um I I, I agree with uh, with with you and Edward what they said. Um, you know, you, you, they're they're held to a higher standard, shovel shoveling anyone or punching anyone or doing anything physical. Uh, whether it's your own teammate or another driver, I think that's a huge no-no. You got a problem, be a fucking man and fucking talk to him. You know, if you have to show a fucking fist, you're not a man. You're fucking losing control. So calm the fuck down. Use your words. Don't use your fucking fist to prove a point because at the end of the day, you're going to look like an asshole. That's that's all I have to say. Stroll, if, so if record, you're listening... I think you guys are all wrong. <laughs> Stroll, if you're listening, leave F1, please. Give us, you know... Give us a, 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 someone else. Hey, Give Liam Lawson. Ed, Ed, that, Ed. That's our best chance. That's our best chance at a sponsorship. Yeah, bro, what are you doing? You're ruining no, no, I'm, I'm, just blew this. No, I'm, I'm done. I'm we're going to get an invite. To Paul. I'm editing that out. You're an idiot. Ed, Ed, Edward. Edward <laughs> Edward's has now buying all of us tickets to, leave to the Montreal show. next year. Thank you. <laughs> just saying. Um, what I was going to say, I, I think you guys were all wrong. I think Stroll is catching it a little bit harder than anyone else would because he's Stroll and because he has a bit of a, a history of being a little bitch. So that said, if this was Max, if this was Fernando, if this was like Michael back in the day, you gave those examples. Ed, like I think, I think anyone else gets a little bit more of a pass than Stroll does. Um, and I think heat of the moment, we don't know what their relationship is like. We don't know what like their friendship and how close they are. You know, we all have those moments where we get just like close friends or whatever. They get in our face. We get in a disagreement. Like, you know, it's never to Thomas's point. You always want to use your words like an adult, but that doesn't always happen. Right. And I think 
I think he's catching a little bit hard uh, for something that happened to Heat in the moment. Um, are we done with Stroll? We're done, but I, I disagree yeah, with we're your done. point. That's fair. Fair. We're allowed to disagree. We're allowed to disagree. We don't always have to agree. Here's something else we might disagree on. Um, tire stints. I personally really enjoyed having max stints on tires. I thought it made the race a little bit more interesting. It invited different a different type of strategy. Um, I liked seeing the pit stops because there's always room for error in a pit stop. Um, you know, you had, there were more undercuts, more overcuts. Um, I kind of liked it. Is this something that should be, should tire stints replace the sprint race? Yes. Or should they just be included in more races or just in races in general? I think they need to experiment with it. I think that's like, you know, the way that you, I guess Pirelli just got signed on as a, a total tidbit here as a, a new factoid. Pirelli got signed on again. And I think that, you know, to experiment with this might not be a terrible idea. Just like they experimented with the sprint race, I think introducing this on some level isn't awful. Because, like, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Walker. I think that it added a completely new element and they sprung it on the teams. Like, no one had an idea going in. So, like, it was an on the fly strategy kind of idea going in. It's not like they knew all year that this was going to happen. So, um, yeah, I think that it was, uh, it definitely added a new element in it. I, the safety is obviously a huge portion of it. And I, you know, I, they're going to avoid any sort of this heat issue going forward, which is why they brought this in anyway. But I think it was just something new, something different, and it forced the teams to kind of think on their feet. You got to see the the realities of their abilities and inability to call strategy on the fly. So I think that was kind of hot. I personally loved it. I thought uh, it was a great, great idea. It made the, the race way more interesting, switched up everything. Um I wish maybe there was, instead of three stops, a mandatory four stops. And maybe I wish that there was essentially no limit on how long they can use the tire, but they would have to stop, you know, at least four times and no later than, you know, five or 10 miles before the end of the race. I get why they did what, why they did uh, that for, for heat and all that stuff. This is just my own my own personal take. Yes, I loved it very much. There was uh, lots of variety in the um, in the race, uh, lots of different strategy, and uh, it would be very interesting to see if this would be if it would be very interesting to see this continue on. Well, I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to even out the field, because for the past how many races we know that Red Bull Max Verstappen is going to win. That's a hundred percent. But with this additional, like, I would say it's the uh, the chance card in Monopoly. We're in, hey, this is what's going to happen. And it normalizes and equalizes everyone because it's an issue that they have to deal with. So now it boils down to the team on how they're going to respond. Um, are they going to be able to adapt to the current change or the additional um, additional stop that they have to do? And it just makes, again, just like what everyone's been saying this entire podcast, is that it made the race very interesting. It made the race very exciting. So, yeah, I am I'm 100% on the same boat. Let's continue doing the exact same thing. Yeah, I don't know how it would fit in with their sustainability uh, agenda. You know, we, we just were going through a bunch of races or 
proposed races where we were limiting the number of tires that we were going to use during a race weekend. And now all of a sudden we're saying you have to use exactly this many. So I think there would have to figure out a way to, to bridge the gap between those two strategies. But, um, I, I definitely enjoyed, um, the element that it added to the race. Um, and I thought it brought a lot more interest to it. Um, because some races are just like, you know, you got one pit stop, you know, maybe two, and you're just like, the rest of it is just, you know, a procession. Right. Um, so I, I like the, the element it brought to it. Um, we touched on the heat, um, because of the tires, there's a safety aspect. Um, how aware do you think the teams were of their drivers conditions? And at what point do you think it would have been on the teams to call in drivers? And at what point do you think it would have been on the FIA to call the race given the current um, conditions and, and how it was affecting them? I don't Drew? think there was any sort of miscommunication. Like right off the get-go, Fernando Alonso was complaining about the heat, saying he was on fire. This was sub-10 laps. Um, so I knew that the heat was going to be an issue. And when the um, the stewards and governing bodies kind of mentioned to everybody, like, hey, listen, we got to be changing tires at this amount maximum because the heat and the dag is just so high that, you know, this was just going to be a snowballing effect. And I don't know if the guys knew to what level this was going to be happening. But, you know, of the thousands of messages, radio messages that go back and forth between all the drivers and um, and their teams, there's there was probably no miscommunication going on there. And I'm sure that, you know, Esteban Ocon puking was probably very audible in some of those messages as he's trying to talk or gasp for breath or these guys um, were talking about, you know, the heat coming out of the uh, the car when they were following closely behind me, that the dirty air that they were breathing in the mass, they just said felt like fire as they were breathing in. And, you know, these guys were really put through the ringer this week. And I just don't think that, um, the FIA knew what they were getting into and Formula One knew exactly to the extent. Um, I don't, I think because of how commercial all this is now and how safety is a huge proponent in, in everything that they're doing and going forward, I think that, you know, they would have called this race um, prior to, but I, you know, once you're going, it's hard to stop a big boat from, from, from going forward. And so I think that, you know, next time that they're just going to avoid this altogether by hosting the race, if they do it in Qatar again, hosting the race at a different time of the year where the, the temps are, are just going to be a lot less. What do you got on this, Thomas? I, um, I agree. Um, the, the heat was an issue. I, I didn't, me watching it personally at first, I didn't realize how big of an issue was. And, you know, like you said, seeing... Alonzo seeing Alcon seeing Sergeant, I'm like, holy shit, like these guys are it's bad, you know, when they're complaining, like you said, throwing up, complaining. Um is is water can you guys throw water on me? Um it's insane. Do I think they miscommunicated or if they should have stopped the race? No, I think what they did, they did the right uh, right call, and uh, I'm I'm hoping you know the driver was really really in a bad state to the point where they were literally passing out. Which I know I, I think Drew you mentioned uh, Stroll was almost at that point where he was passing out on corners. Um, that does cause a huge safety concern, and that was a risky move uh, with Stroll or with anyone else. I mean, again, if you're driving a car at 250 kilometers an hour, 300 kilometers an hour, and you're you're throwing up in your helmet. That's a safety concern, right? I get it. 
the top 20 drivers in the world. They want to push through, but uh, there has to be a limit somewhere. So this was this was risky. Thank God it ended the way it ended with no one getting hurt or, or seriously injured or anything like that. But uh, yeah, next next time they, they definitely ha- should push this back and, and take heat a little bit more more seriously and and yeah i mean they they should they should have gotten the uh the information from just the tires alone like they were having heat issues so you can only imagine what the drivers are going through i mean yes 10 laps sub 10 laps in alonso was complaining but when i saw sergeant actually stop the race like we, we we call him so many names like he's a bitch or all that stuff but like when you see a driver give up because of exhaustion that for me that 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 was, should have told the FIA there's something wrong we need to stop this i think they they had a massive miss on that yeah drew don't be so judgmental <laughs> Edward, I, I, I agree with Fucking you a hundred percent. And, and, you know, I was telling this to Drew and, and Drew was disagreeing me at this point. Um, I, I'm all for it too. When, once a driver pulls out, doesn't matter how good or shit he is. If he's an F1, you know, he, he has some sort of skill or something. Um, but yeah, FIA should have been on that. Yeah. They, they, they messed up on that one. Um, and I think they're going to take this, um, like you know seriously next time around that the if there's any issue of like temperature um affecting the drivers or even something that's you know, causing some type of discomfort that there is health issues that are coming out or um health responses like they should stop the race like it only takes one mistake like for example with stroll he passes out in the corner and then Maybe he plants his foot on the accelerator and goes straight into the wall and then offs himself. Now what? That escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think so. A couple of things. I think if the FIA gets a message from Stroll saying that I passed out down the straight or in the corners, or whatever, it wasn't even down the straight, it was in the yeah. corners. Like, fuck, that's like exactly. the worst place to do it, right? In terms of car control. Yeah. So I think if they get that message, it, it should have been incumbent on them to to pull the driver. Now it's you know it, it's hard because you know at what point do you pull a driver? What point do you like then sacrifice a team's success because you're stepping in to ensure their safety? Right? Is it becoming unconscious? Is it puking in your helmet like Akon did? Like is that like the bar? Like understanding what the bar is, um, I think is key to really. I don't know about you guys, you know, but I knowing what I never next. pull out. You got to leave it in as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're in the position you're in right just now. Just saying, you just you can't pull. Like, mm. what are you a loser? You just got to keep it in. What's wrong with you, <laughs> Drew? That's a uh, ten out of ten, Joe. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> should I just? Walk I, up think I, should. Because, I think you should. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm about to pull a fucking uh, Logan Sargent and just quit. <laughs> as long the... as you don't pull out, buddy. <laughs> buddy, I'm about to pull out the plug. It's going to happen. Well, thanks for derailing that uh, 
important, timely conversation, Drew. Really appreciate it, as per always. Um, so just like we just took a pause right now, because we don't know what we're talking about, um, Formula One is taking a pause next week on our way to Austin for the uh, U.S. Grand Prix. Always a great track. Um, really quickly, what are we looking forward to in a couple of weeks? America. Thomas? America, that's what I'm looking forward to, um, seeing what they're going to have to offer, if they're going to do any sort of heat strategy like they did uh, here. I know the heat is obviously different uh, from uh, Qatar to to America, but um, I'm looking forward to some goddamn good of old American racing and hopefully Max not winning. Do you guys know what's going to go on? Or like, is that, are they going to pull like a Miami move? Like, are they going to have like the country version of LL Cool J doing like, you know, the theme songs to all these drivers hope, or something? I hope not. Like, is T Swift and the Swifties going to open up for the uh, for the Circuit of the Americas race? Like, uh, what's going to happen here? I don't know what the plan is and what America's got on uh, on deck. I'm actually looking forward to it. You know, like the fact that there's three races in the states. Um, is wildly entertaining now. Um, obviously, the the format that a good old F one is blowing up, and I think that there's an opportunity for the FIA to uh, to solidify some of these new fans in the um, in the North American realm. And Coda is definitely a place to do that. So I um, I I like the track. It's always a little bit of a entertaining race with coda and i i'm looking forward to it i think that rebels you know maxi poo poo's got this wrapped up again um unfortunately thomas i'm sorry that i, I saw that little smirk because i know it's not what you want to hear but i think that's the reality right now and um yeah what do you got on this one eddie i i, I actually just have a question is danny rick mm. gonna be back for this race Ooh, fantastic question it depends on how much uh how much he's doing with that right hand. You know what I mean? Like, is he giving it a rest or is he giving it a tug? We'll never know. And I don't want to know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. But but Who honestly, knows? like going back to the question, like I, I, I have a feeling that he will come back. Um, he does have some uh, uh, businesses in the U.S. And I think this should be a good race for him to come back. Um, and uh, show it that he is the right decision for 2024 in the Alpha Tower seat and not Liam Lawson. But yeah, we'll see. Like that's really what I'm looking for. And also the McLarens. Um, are they going to continue with what they're doing right now and taking it to Red Bull? Those guys are the real deal. Yeah, they are. Those McLaren cars are like those are the fucking real deal. Like to see Oscar Piastri just running an absolute clinic with that car. Like he is, he's driving like he has something to prove, which I guess in theory they all do, but him, I, I don't know. He's so stoic about the way that he drives and like the way he talks afterwards. Like he's just so focused on the, on the W and like, he's very matter of fact when he talks to, um, talks to all the announcers and the interviewers and interviewees and all that stuff. He's just, He's not very eloquent in how he talks and how he, you know, tells stories and explains the situation. He's he's a driver's driver, and I'm looking forward to seeing him mature in a uh, in a a papaya car. What do you got on this one, Walker? What do, what are you excited about? What makes you excited about Coda? Great track, big event, 
but really I'm looking forward to the battle for, for the number twos. Um, you know, Checo and Hamilton uh, still have something to figure out for that second spot in driver's championship. Um, Mercedes still has some work to solidify the second place in the constructors. So I think that's where my focus is going, really looking at those battles and seeing how um, how that plays out and how each team is going to support support their driver to to you know achieving those goals right is red bull and max really going to stand behind checo to help him secure number two uh and same thing with mercedes right does louis get any you know preferential treatment you know to help him secure extra points uh and how is russell going to like that even though he's nowhere in the championship right he's not he doesn't really have a place in it this year but he's definitely got that competitive spirit um where he doesn't like to concede a lot and you know i think part of that is just being a competitor so seeing how the battle for uh the number two positions play out that's that's what i'm looking forward to thomas did you go yet you didn't go yet did you i did but i wanted to say something Mm. um to drew's point when he mentioned mclaren's uh just a question for all of you guys did you or beginning of the year uh, did you expect mclaren to be as good as they are or no just just, no. just out of curiosity that's all not at all no. not given oh, where no, they were last no. year they they and you know at the beginning of the year they didn't look no, that good either didn't. right it was really kind of midway through that they they finally brought um some upgrades that seemed to really suit the drivers so um got them mclaren they've done a fucking bang up job and it makes next year look even more exciting you know if mclaren can really come to the table mercedes can get back in the game you already have red bull up there and even ferrari right i think you have four teams that could potentially fight for the top um it could be it could be a good year and four teams with like a little bit of pedigree and some heritage you know what i mean like all these guys know how to win and know what it takes to win and i yeah you said it bang on like these are four guys all gunning for the top next year you know what i mean and red bull's got a, an opportunity mm-hmm. to um to maintain this but like nobody's slowing down for anybody no no it's gonna be great um let's wrap it up we have got canada's favorite game name that sponsor you know how it works i'm gonna name a sponsor from each team or from a team and you gotta tell me what that company does and who they sponsor um first up bit of a softball maybe snapdragon snapdragon they are on mclaren and it's some sort of technology something fuck i don't know i'm gonna stop it there it's mm, some sort okay. of okay who's yeah. next mclaren antivirus something uh program or software or something like that um no they are a semiconductor company they make chipsets and yes mclaren Mm. um ed you got closest with what they do but they are on mercedes okay what do they do uh, they oh, make okay. chips, like little microprocessors, oh, okay. chips, like what Ed said. Fucking nerd. The Asian right. guy would know that answer. <laughs> the fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take right. that. that. That's this a compliment a for me. For this one. I like that. <laughs> He's yes. a good Asian. He's a good Asian. <laughs> he passed the test. 
I bring oh, honor so to good. my family. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I had All right. To. Go ahead. Um, second one, Drew, just fucking contain yourself for this one, please. Velocity Black. Oh, no. Mercedes and uh, Mercedes and Logistics Company. I'm going to do that. I'm contained. <laughs> what do you want from me, man? I'm fully contained, bro. All the containment. But, well, would you like to guess? Mm, so, yeah, can you? It's going to be on Alfa Romeo, and it's definitely in logistics. <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't know what to say at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, a team in a fucking industry, bro. It's really not that hard. Uh, tech company, um, McLaren. Um, okay, so tech company is a little bit too broad. Um, Cybersecurity. Answer. Um, okay, fair enough. Wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> For the blooper reel. Come on, Drew. Do it. Uh, okay. So about Velocity Black. Velocity Black deploys cutting-edge technologies and human experts to transform how high-performance people discover and enjoy their world. We help our members do and be more in the digital age. So they don't know what they do. <laughs> yeah, that's very vague. Uh, it's like it's like yeah. It's like something for rich people. This is from their gotcha, website. Okay. Um, we are pioneering the future of a luxury lifestyle. We harness human and machine intelligence to enable our members to live AKA extraordinary a Ponzi lives. scheme. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds very like Scientologist. Yeah. We curate the best life has to offer. Then our engine, our AI engine, puts it at our members' fingertips. We've reimagined discovery, access, and booking for 21st century life. Welcome to the conversational interface. So who the fuck knows what they do, but they sponsor Aston. Okay. All right. Okay. Which makes sense. The strolls are probably heavy users. Of oh, yeah. Big time like. users. Almost addicts, if you will. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Big, fast, black users. Um, all right, everybody. Contain yourself. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. Um, this has been uh, Park Fermi, the Canadian Formula One podcast. Uh, we are here every week. Uh, next week, we got a week off of racing, but we'll be back here with another episode. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, leave a comment, share with your friends, hit up the Discord, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.